Congregation, let us turn to the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 36 and 37, page 73. Question 99, what is required in the third commandment? That we, not only by cursing or perjury, but also by rash swearing, must not profane or abuse the name of God, nor by silence or connivance by par- be partakers of these horrible sins in others, and briefly, that we use the holy name of God no otherwise than with fear and reverence, so that he may be rightly confessed and worshipped by us, and be glorified in all our words and works. Question 100. Is then the profaning of God's name by swearing and cursing so heinous a sin that his wrath is kindled against those who do not endeavor as much as, is in, as in the lies to prevent and forbid such cursing and swearing? It undoubtedly is. For there is no sin greater or more provoking to God than the profaning of his name. And therefore he has commanded his sin to be punished with death. Lord Day 37, may we then swear religiously by the name of God. Yes, either when the magistrates demand it or the subjects or when necessity requires us thereby to confirm fidelity and truth to the glory of God and the safety of our neighbor. For such an oath is founded on God's word and therefore was justly used by the saints both in the Old and New Testament. 102. May we also swear by saints or any other creatures and to know for a lawful oath is calling upon God as the only one who knows the heart that he will bear witness to the truth and punish me if I swear falsely which honor is due to no creature so far. Using God's name in vain. That's the theme for tonight, the theme from the Heidelberg Catechism, the third commandment, using God's name in vain. Three thoughts. First, the proper use of God's name. Positively, how do you do that? What are we called to? To use the name of God properly. Secondly, the threat for misusing the name. He shall not keep them guiltless. That take his name in vain, it says. So that means a threat for misusing the name. And in the third place, allowing an oath in God's name. Under certain conditions, to allow it. It's proper, it's biblical to also have an oath and to swear an oath in certain circumstances. Using God's name in vain. The proper use of God's name, the threat of misusing the name, 
and allowing an oath in God's name. Congregation, children, young people, we have names, right? First names, last names. How confusing would it be if we would not have names? If we could say, oh, that man there, oh, that woman over there, oh, that child. Who do you mean? What do you mean? Who do you mean? If you always have to describe it, it's hard. It's so functional to have names. Without names, it is so difficult in society. You can't even write your name. The Lord does not need names, does he? He's the only one. There's God. Why would the Lord use names? I, my, my name is... In fact, the Lord has many different names. Why? To distinguish him from others? No. Well then, well, all the names of God are pictures, are images, are revelations of who God is. All the names of God have a very rich meaning. And you send the youth ponder that name and think about that name and go to the roots of the name, you see the beauty of the name. May the Lord open the eyes for the content of the names of God and the names of Jesus, right? For example, I just said the name Jesus, you know, you know what that means. He will save his people from their sins. Beautiful name. The most important name in the Bible is Jawah. Some still pronounce Jehovah. I'm not going to discuss that tonight, but I know for sure that's wrong. That's the wrong pronunciation. The wrong pronunciation. It is Jawah. And in fact, when the Jewish people saw that name in the Bible, four consonants in the Bible, there are no, no vowels there, then they did, pronounce, did not pronounce the name at all. And they said, Adonai. They said something else. Because they thought that name, that first special name of God is so special, so holy, they did not want to take it on their lips. And I can see that. I don't think it is wise to do that. I don't think it is, I think it's overdoing it, but it's, it's understandable. Remember Moses? Who left Egypt? children. He was afraid of the Pharaoh that would kill him because he had also killed an Egyptian and buried him in the sand. But they found out and he knew that they had found out about him. So he fled into the desert and came far away in Midian. And there he met a family, Jethro. Jethro the priest. Somehow he was a priest of the Almighty God as well like the men of the East. And he married one of his daughters, Zipporah. And this Moses was also a shepherd. He was raised as a prince, but was now a shepherd for Jethro, his father-in-law, close to the Negev Peninsula in, in Egypt, between Egypt and Israel. And he was close now to the Horeb Mount, where later on the law of the Lord will be given. 
Ernie is walking there, but he's leading the flock of the, on the backside of the desert. He came to Horeb, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him. Not an angel, but the angel. An angel should be printed with a capital A. He met the Lord, somehow manifesting himself and appearing unto him in a fire, in a flame. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed, and it kept burning, kept burning. He walked up there. And Moses said, I will turn aside now and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When he came close, the Lord, when the, the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he, saw, he said, don't come closer. Don't draw nigh hither. Put off your shoes, take your shoes off of your feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses was hiding his face. Could not look upon that. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has appeared unto me, and sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What do I say? Because the, the Lord called Moses to go back to Egypt and to let that people go, to ask the Pharaoh to permit, for permission. So when they're asking, what's his name? What's he let's say? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. And God said also to Moses, thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me unto you. This is his name, Lord, the capitals, Yahweh, forever. And this is my memorial, the, the real name, my memorial name, unto all generations. What a name, I am. I am that I am. That means... Oh, may the Lord give us an impression of that tonight. That means I have no beginning. I have no ending. I am not becoming. I am not dependent. I am free. I am sovereign. I am unchangeable. I am trustworthy. I am faithful. I always am who I am. I don't change. I can be trusted. I am the eternal one. So don't take that name of the Lord in vain. It's such a holy, precious name revealed 
unto, the, unto Moses by the Lord. That we should just be very careful, not only with this name, but especially, but especially with this name. However, not only this name, all God's names tell us something. And all God's names are the expression of his reality. That is not at any time empty the name and use the name in a shallow way. Be, be conscious of what we are doing when we say Lord and God and Holy One. He's the King of Kings, the Most High God, the El Elyon. He is the Holy One. All the names of God are filled with meaning, have a rich content. So we may not have other gods before him. We may not worship him in a different way, but also his names are supposed to be used properly. So when we are reading the Bible, you see hundreds of times the names of God, right? Lord with capitals and with one capital and other words and Jesus and Savior. Whenever you read the word like that and the name like that, you should just be careful and say, oh, there's something. I pray you, O heads of Jacob and the princes of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know judgment? We have to understand what you're talking about. When we're reading, when we're listening to a sermon, we hear the names of God being pronounced and explained. You, we, we should tremble. Oh, Moses trembled when he saw that burning bush. We, should, we, we also should tremble when we hear about the name. Also when preaching, when doing outreach, telling a Bible story, reading a Bible story for the children, when the hearts are cold, lukewarm, that's not what it's supposed to be. It should be done consciously. Every name of our God is a gem, a name to look at, a name to adore, a name to rejoice in, a name to take, it, to take in and, 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 and taste it. Let us not underestimate the names of the Lord and not use them flippantly in a trivial way, in a trifling way, in a frivolous way, in a playful way, in an ordinary way, in a casual way, in a pedestrian way, in a boring way, in an average way. Those names are so extraordinarily special. How can you just so you, you use the names without realizing what you're saying? It is improper. It's, it's a name. It's, 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 it's a vehicle for God to reveal himself. So God's names are extraordinary, remarkable, amazing, astonishing, stunning, unique. I was thinking of how do I explain that to children? And um, <clears throat> I was thinking of someone working in the barn or in the shop and having his hands dirty 
with, with, with fat and dirt and manure and whatever it is. There's dirty hands. And he has come into the house and his wife has had, had just a new necklace, a golden necklace or a golden watch or something, a jewelry. And he says, can I see it? And she says, no. First wash your hands. No, I, I, can, I can hold it this way too. It's fine. No. You have to wash your hands first before you handle that watch, handle that necklace. It's, uh, it's jewelry. It's expensive and you are cautious with that. Make sense? So when we use the names of God, we are dirty lips. And just don't think about it. We're doing it. Don't realize the preciousness of it. That's a sin against the third commandment. That is emptying, that is using the name of God in vain. And in vain means what? <clears throat> in vain means like vanity, means empty, meaningless, nothing. So don't use the name of the Lord as if it is nothing, as if it has no meaning, as if it is just a word. It's about God. It's about his name. So we must take the name of God with reverence, with respect, with love, highly esteeming it. Now we should not only worship the Lord in using his name tenderly, but everything, everything we say needs to be God-glorifying, not, not only his names, anything we talk about. Anything? Yes. We have been made by the Lord to glorify him in everything. Whatever we do, whatever we say, whatever we think. And before our fallen Adam... I mean, they were able to do that. They were, they were holy people. They did not sin. They, they, they always mentioned the names of God with so much tenderness and respect and close and love. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, beseech you, that must be important, by the mercies of God, that's the motivation, the Lord is merciful, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That is the life of a Christian trying to constantly sacrifice, sacrifice to God, to present your body, a living sacrifice, to present yourself unto God, and your mind as well. Whatever you say. Think of this text, young friends, elderly people. Think of this text. 1 Corinthians 10, that could be a, an arrow tonight in your heart. Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. All to the glory of God. If something is not done to his glory, it's a sin. So that means maybe that you have never done anything good so far. 
See, if something is not to God's glory, something is missing. Or Colossians 3.17, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. See, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So easily we draw nigh unto God with our lips, with show, with words, without the heart. The, that people draws nigh unto me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Is that you? You pray, you're pious, you do your best, you sing, you read the Bible, you read good stuff, good books, but your heart so far from God, filled with the things of this life. In vain they worship me, teaching the doctrines, the commandments of men. Are our hearts filled with affection to God ever? Do we treasure, cherish, admire, reverence God? And his names. One more thing. The name is God himself. We have a name. We are not the name, are we? Whatever your name is, maybe it's a beautiful name, but you are not the name that is attached to you. But God's names are God himself in the Bible. That's hard to explain, but that's, what, that's why he's God. Let me show you. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. For thy name's sake. For the name's sake? For God's sake. It's for him, for him. He, it's his name. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Don't do it for me. Don't save me for myself. There's nothing God could do it for. God, 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 God cannot save you out of pity. He cannot save me out of pity. God can't say, I feel so sorry for that man, I'd rather help him. See, that, that's not, 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 not working, not happening. When God helps and saves and seeks, it is for his own glory. The, the Lord is not ashamed of that. To say, I do it for myself. And you're better happy about that. That God can save you for himself and not for you. Help us, O oh God, of our salvation. Why? For the glory of what? Of thy name. And deliver us and purge away our sins for thy name's sake. Two times your name in Psalm 79. Help us, O God, our salvation for the glory of thy name and deliver us and purge away our sins for thy name's sake. The name of God is so dear. The names are so precious. Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake that he might make his mighty power to be known. 
or Proverbs 18, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Strong tower. The righteous run into it and is safe. See? So often people misuse the names of the Lord and worship in a very flippant, shallow, superficial way. And the Lord hates that. The Lord despises that. The Lord cannot smell it. The Lord cannot accept it. The Lord is offended by it. Big words. But that's what they read in Amos 5. I hate, I despise your feast days. And I will not smell in your solemn assemblies. Though ye offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat beasts. So often we are so double-hearted. We sing a beautiful psalm and we have a sinful thought. It's always, always so mixed, even in the hearts of God's people. Bring no more vain oblation. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies I cannot away with. It is iniquity. Even the solemn meeting, your, your worship services, your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when, I and when you spread for your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yet when ye make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. That is what we can do. We can just fake it and pollute it, and we cannot make it real. So the Lord hates that. And that's a sin against the third commandment. To use the name of the Lord in vain in our services. So we need forgiveness for the many times that we have used the names of the Lord in vain, empty, meaningless, with nothingless. And I just see the Lord's face for that personally and confess that tonight before you go to bed. Made it a point tonight in your prayer. And say something like, young people, Lord, I heard tonight that thy names are so glorious and so special and so extraordinary and so dear. I've never seen it. And I just have used the words without thinking. And I understand that this is a sin against the third commandment. And bring it before the Lord. Say, Lord, is it possible that I'm forgiven? And change my heart and change my life so I may use the word, so I may use the names of God properly and in a God-feeling, tender way. The Lord Jesus always did that. But Jesus never sinned against his commandment. And through him, we can be saved. Brings to the same thought, the threat for misusing the name. The Lord will not keep 
Dumb guiltless that uses his name in vain. He will not keep them guiltless. What is that? Why is that mentioned? Are some sins more serious than other sins? Are some sins major and other minor? The Bible speaks of the least of God's commandments. So you would say some commandments are less than others are. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. So there are different types of sins. Although we must say that even a sin against one of those least commandments is still a sin that is punishable by death. And even one little sin is enough to condemn us for. But having said that, I think there is still a difference between sins and sins in the Bible. What do you mean? Well, some sins are punished by capital punishment. Capital punishment, what does capital mean? Capital carpet means head, beheading. Capital punishment means the death penalty. So, in, for certain sins in the Old Testament, the death penalty was in place. Let me just mention a few of them. Idolatry. If some of us worshipping an idol, and people saw that, and he was arrested, that could cost your life. It was, that's, that's a major, major death sin. What about breaking the Sabbath? In the Old Testament, breaking the Sabbath was also a sin punishable by death. And also murder, of course, and disobedience to parents and adultery. But also using the name of God in vain as we just read in Leviticus 24. These sins are what we call criminal offenses. And although we don't believe anymore that those sins, except one, is worthy of death, we live now in the New Testament, right? We only keep capital punishment for murder. Because that's explained in the Bible as based upon the fact that we are made in his image. So that it is rooted in creation. So we believe that for murder, for, for murder there is still capital punishment, the death penalty, but for, for, for all the others not. And yet, because in the Old Testament some of those sins were punished by death... That means that those sins are very, very serious. More serious than you would think. There's a death penalty on it. Look at the last lines of question 100. There's no sin greater and more provoking to God than the profaning of his name. And therefore... He has commanded this sin to be punished with death. So, 
blaspheming his name or misusing his name is a major capital sin. In a godly society, people should be arrested for that. People should go to jail for that. We basically would have a government that took sins more seriously. So that also with also those sins will be dealt with properly. And taking the name of God in vain again is one of them. Uh, I'm not in favor of death penalty for this sin either. We should deal with the with this sin not only as a church, but also as a government. So why are we then only in favor of capital punishment in case of murder, as I said, because that has been explicitly mentioned and defended with referring to God's creation. So this second half of the verse is a warning, isn't it? No, it says, I, I threaten you, I warn you, I will not keep them guiltless. You will have to pay for it. Really? Is the Lord saying that? You will have to pay for that? Count on it? I'm not getting you, I'm not letting you go? I'm not ignoring that? I will never do it. I promise you I will deal with that. And you will know it. And you will be guilty for that. And you will not be, you will not be able to get away with that. That's what it says. Punishment is hanging over your head. When you take the name of the Lord in vain, he will not ignore it. He is a jealous God, a jealous God, jealous for his name. And we call this countercultural. Countercultural. Cultural. Because in our culture, this is not understood anymore. It goes against the culture, against the grain of our society. People just don't understand this at all anymore. That God is so holy that you um, will be guilty of capital punishment if you sin against the third commandment, really? It is so old-fashioned, so countercultural. And so offensive to people today. And that's what the Bible says. The Lord will not hold guiltless. And he, and he isn't. If you sin against this third commandment, you will know it. You will be punished for it. Is that true? Well, it's sad. Unless that punishment comes on the head of the Lord Jesus, right? So that's in the background here. That the Lord properly deals with that sin and that nobody gets away with that. You really need a savior for that. The Lord will not look the other way. You really need a savior for that because God is a jealous God. And... Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? 1 Corinthians 10, 22. 
He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Same thing, not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. So if anything is clear in this in the New Testament, it is that God does not hold guiltless and that he is a jealous God. No matter what, no matter how counterintuitive, no matter how offensive it is, it is the hard reality. Do you want to see that God does not hold guiltless? Want to see it? Let me mention a Bible story. You really see that God takes it, this sin so tremendously serious and that he is unloading all his anger upon that man because of this sin and other sins. The cross. The Lord Jesus hang on the cross. You see that jealousy of God. I will not keep him guiltless. That take my name in vain. And that's what the Lord Jesus was absorbing, that concentrated anger of God. So Leviticus 24, bring forth him that has cursed without the camp, and let all that heard him lay their hands upon his head, and let all the congregation stone him. That is Old Testament. We don't do that anymore. But it indicates that the sin is very serious. A very interesting verse, remarkable verse is from Exodus 34. And I looked at the verse and I thought, that is wonderful. The the combination of that. Combination of being very forgiving and paying back. A text with two things in there. That God is so tremendously gracious. And in the same text, you hear that God is so angry with sin. I mean Exodus 34, 7. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children. And upon the children's children. And to the third and the fourth generation. See that? So the Lord keeping mercy. And the Lord forgiving iniquity. And forgiving transgression. And forgiving sin. It cannot be fuller and more beautiful. It's very forgiving, and yet by no means clearly guilty. So the Lord will also deal with it properly, and you will know it, and you will have to confess those sins. You have to find a place to go to, and you need to save the Lord Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you pay yourself. He is forgiving, but you need repentance, and you need the true faith. Does it sink in that God does not keep guiltless? He takes sins the way the sin the way sin is. It's a sacrilege. 
It is blasphemy. And it's dealing with the most beautiful truth in a sketchy way. You can't do that. God also commanded to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Also the names, right? So in a certain way, the names of God are attached unto us, are mentioned over our heads. And not punishing sin would mean that God would not care for his own name. What about a God who would not care for his own name? What God is that? He knows himself. He knows himself very well. He appreciates himself. That's what's called holy, righteous. And he is 100% convinced that he deserves everything. So if people sin against him, one way or the other, he is terribly offended and he is not going to keep people guiltless. Another example for the children. There was a young man employed in an automotive outfit, the shop, car shop. And he was constantly misusing the name of God. He said, my God and Jesus and the whole day long. And the owner thought, what do I do? What do I say? And the name of the young man was Andrew. So he started saying, good Andrew. And the whole day he started to mention the name Andrew. And then Andrew came to him and said, what are you doing? Why do you, do you call my name all the time? I just, I just I like that. But I don't like it. Because it's my name. And you're kind of using my name flippantly and disrespectfully. I don't, I don't feel respectful to that. And the owner said, I understand that. I won't do it anymore. But then you don't use the name of God anymore. You have to stop that. In my shop, I don't want to hear that. That is the name of our dear God. He does not deserve his name to be mentioned in such a way. See? The congregation, the 37th Lord's Day, also speaks about the oath. Because when we use an oath, when we swear an oath, we, na- we use the name of God. So how may we, may we then swear religiously by the name of God? What do you think? Does the Lord ever swear an oath in the Bible? Does not ever say, as I live, say the Lord. Yes, he does. In the Bible we see in the Old and New Testaments, oath of God. But you would say, why would God make an oath? People sometimes have to, before court, sometimes the hand on the Bible, they have to say, I swear by the living God, this is true. So people are liars. So, of course, he asks people to put a signature down or to make an oath in certain circumstances. But why would the Lord be asked? Why would the Lord swear an oath? He cannot lie. Right. The problem is, 
people don't believe in. And people yet may God a liar. There is no trust in the heart by nature, in God. So that's, the Lord, that's why the Lord makes an oath and says, I swear by my own name, it is true. Interesting, beautiful piece, Hebrews 6. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. See that? Saying, surely blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater. And an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Therein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. So a promise confirmed by an oath. So there's two things. In that way, the Lord wants to abundantly show, to make very clear that his counsel is immutable. That he does not change. That he means what he says. There's no small print. No deceit in the Bible. So some people wonder if sin is that, that bad. And they make God a liar. And some people forget about a new heart. And they make God a liar. And some people forget about that the Lord offers forgiveness and is asking your heart. And they say, no, that's not true. But the Lord has made an oath about those things. He swears religiously. By myself have I sworn, say the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, the Lord speaking to Abraham, who did not slay Isaac, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the, of the heaven, as the sand that is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So the Lord promised Abraham, there will be a seed, a Savior, a Christ, a Messiah, someone who saves people from their sins. So the Lord swears in a holy way that there is eternal life for the church. In hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began, there will be a new world. New world. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. That's from Numbers 14. And the Lord is willing to save sinners in general, not only referring to the elect, in general. Ezekiel 33 
Say unto them, Ezekiel, say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? May I ask, do you believe that? The Lord made an oath. I have no pleasure in your death. Wherever you are. The Lord says, I don't want you to die. I don't want you to go to hell. That is his outward call. That is the revelation of his will. Revealed will of God. So, again tonight, when you are reading the Bible and pray, remind the Lord of his oath. And why don't you look it up tonight? Ezekiel 33, verse 11. And you put your finger there in the text. Lord, I see it. It's in the Bible. Thou hast no pleasure in my death. And don't let the Lord go until he blesses you. Persist in seeking him. The Lord has made an oath for a reason. Now, very briefly, why is this piece in the Highway Catechism? Because during the time of the Reformation, there were Anabaptists. You may want to look it up. They are the forefathers of the Mennonites and the Quakers and the Amish and the Hutterites and Apostolic Church and some more churches. And they read Matthew 5 in the wrong way. They read Matthew 5 in, 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 in a way that's not, that's not correct. So let me read Matthew 5. But I say unto you, swear not at all. So they say, see, swear not at all. It's not allowed. Never, ever. The Bible says so. But that is not consistent with other pieces in the Bible, in the New Testament. And also it is explained in what sense some people, people should never make an oath. Yes, it's correct. Don't swear at all if you do it by heaven, or by the earth, or by Jerusalem, by the city of the great king, or if you are lying. If you do it superficially and if you don't do it uprightly, then don't do it at all. But it's yet meaningful. Maybe then swear by saints or any other creatures. No, the lawful all is calling upon God as the only one who knows the heart that he will bear witness to the truth and punish me if I swear falsely, which honor is due to no creature. But then back to 101, may we then swear religiously by the name of God? Yes. Either when the magistrate demands it, the government, the court, or when necessity requires us thereby to confirm fidelity and truth the glory of God. I remember a Bible sto- a story, not, not Bible story, a story from Nigeria. 
our mission field in Nigeria. And someone stole oil, a gas, from a tank. And it was hard to find out who did it. And then they asked some people eventually to make an oath that they did not steal that gas. And one particular young man, he made an oath, I did not steal it. Next day he was dead. The Lord took him out of his life. Was such a such an impression in that community that the Lord lives and that he takes it seriously. When people swear falsely, the Lord does not hold them guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Congregation, the first commandment is quite a commandment. All the names of God are gems. Ask yourself the question, do I use his name properly, tenderly? And maybe you never did that. Maybe it was in your whole life. Maybe you're 70 years old, maybe 60, maybe 50. Maybe your whole life you've never mentioned the name of God at one, one time in such a tender, loving way. Because you don't know him. So that is quite serious then. You really need a new heart. You really need forgiveness also for that sin. Because he is not going to hold you guiltless. As he is a savior, you are in need of. Amen.